Well, Colossians chapter 2, we are looking at our salvation in Christ. We looked at chapter 1 um, for the last several weeks, and we Paul shared with us, unveiled the supremacy of Christ. But uh, now we're going to be looking at our salvation in Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like? And as uh, Paul is writing to the Colossian church, uh, his desire is that all believers would be presented as mature in Christ. Um, God wants us to grow up in our, the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is. He wants us to be presented to him fully mature in Christ. And uh, in chapter 2, Paul's going to, we're going to be looking at verse 5, but uh, Paul wants uh, our faith to be um, steadfast, uh, fully anchored uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul's chief concern was the false teachers in Colossae and Laodicea who were, uh, they had clever and persuasive words and they were pulling believers away from the, from the faith. And so Paul is writing these words to exhort the Christian community of who they are in Christ. And in Christ, you have everything. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. And oh, I'm sorry, Colossians, thank you. Colossians chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 8 this morning. Paul says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those who are at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. This Christian community has never seen Paul. Uh, these believers exist. Uh, they're in Colossae uh, today or back then because of Epaphras. Epaphras was a convert of Paul uh, in Ephesus. And uh, Paul or Epaphras took the gospel to Laodicea and Colossae and planted these church. And so Paul is writing to the Colossian people 1,300 miles away in a Roman uh, prison. So they haven't seen him. Verse 2, and he's writing that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elementary, the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. 
And so here we see Paul's writing to his grandchildren because uh, these these believers are the fruit of Epaphras' ministry, who Epaphras was the fruit of Paul's ministry. And so the, the gospel is spreading out, and he's writing to these Colossians, and the reason why he's writing to them is that he doesn't want their faith to topple over. He knows the pressure, the influence of the Gnostic community in that, in that city, And he doesn't want these believers to cave in. And so he's writing that their hearts might be encouraged, that their hearts might be strengthened in verse 2. And so my question to you this morning is, how's your heart? Do you have a strong heart of faith this morning? Or is it a little bit... On edge, on edge, a little bit shaky. Let these words encourage you this morning uh, that we might live a life that's strong, that is uh, uh, well anchored in the person of Jesus Christ, and it can it can withstand any storm that comes our way. How do we live a life that will continually be strengthened? that won't be toppled over. We see four things in this passage of scripture from Paul's words. Number one, for a person's faith to remain strong, uh, heart to be strengthened, you need to be involved in godly relationships. Look what Paul says in verse two, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. Paul's talking about their hearts being knitted to his heart, but also for the believers in that church that their hearts would be knitted to each other. For, folks, for our faith to be strong, we need to be involved in loving, committed relationships, godly relationships. And you need to let that sink in for a minute. Where are you at this morning? Are you struggling in your faith? Does does anybody know that you're struggling with your faith? Are your is your heart knitted to other in in other godly relationships? That's God's purpose for all of our lives, that we would be connected to each other in loving relationships. Now, what do these relationships look like? Well, number one, these relationships um, are comprised of different types of people. Think about the New Testament church and who Paul's writing to. This church is comprised of both Jews and Gentiles. Outside of Christ, these two groups, these two people groups, they don't like each other. They can't stand each other. But in the name of Christ, under the, in the body of Christ, God has taken both Jews and Gentiles and brought them together as one. The walls have been broken down. 
And so when it comes to relationships, you know, it's, it's real easy to love um, other people who think like you, uh, uh, you know, act like you, smell like you. But that's not necessarily the relationships that God would have us to be involved with. Yes, there needs to be uh, an affinity. There needs to be a, uh, a love for Christ. But the church is comprised of people of all different backgrounds, all different nationalities. You know, it's, it's young. It's old. It's rich and poor. It's not comprised of a particular political ideology. It's red, yellow, black, and white. We are all precious in his sight. And so Paul is encouraging us, encouraging these believers that there needs to be, you need to be a part of godly relationships. Your hearts need to be knitted together in love. And it's going to be knitted together with people from all different aspects of life. Not just uh, yours in particular. So we see different kinds of people in these relationships. And these relationships are found in smaller groups. I'm not sure how large this uh, house church was that Paul was was writing to. But if you're going to be connected to other people, if you're going to be involved in, in godly, encouraging relationships, it's, need, it's going to need to be with a smaller group of people. You can't have these godly relationships with a uh, hundred people or more. No, it's... You know, our lives are kind of like Duplo blocks, okay? And if you've ever seen a Duplo block, it's a little bigger than a Lego block. But there's only a certain amount of connectors on each of these blocks. You know, we only have a certain amount of time. And we can't, we don't have the time to be connected with everybody, but we have the opportunity to be connected with a few. And God wants us to be connected with a few that our hearts might be knitted together in love. So I don't know where you're at this morning, but if you're discouraged, if you have a weak heart, we have a tendency of wanting to isolate ourselves. You know, when we're going through a bout of depression or we're ex- we're experiencing a red sea that hasn't divided itself yet you know it's easy for us to get overcome with fear and our we we live lives of fear and it's that those moments that we we can't afford to pull away from the church that's where we need the church um, even more in our life and the devil wants us to isolate. The devil wants us to hide. But Paul is saying, folks, if you're going to become mature in the faith, if your faith isn't going to fail uh, by the pressures of the agnostic of the Gnostics, your hearts need to be knitted together in love. You need to be a part of 
godly relationships. And then number two, in these godly relationships, it's not just about getting together and hanging out. It's about getting together and studying the things of God. What does the word of God say? How does God want you and I to live our lives? We need to be involved in the truth. And it has to be Jesus' truth. Jesus is the only person who's going to set us free. You know, we live in a culture today that wants to convince us that there is all kinds of truth out there and everyone's truth is relative. If truth, your truth is working for you, then keep doing it. But it's not necessarily Jesus' truth. You see, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. We need to be learning about Jesus's truth for our lives. That will set us free. That will help us to grow in our relationship with, with him. And this is the truth that, that Paul is referring to. Look at verses six and seven. Paul says this, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught. Paul saying, just as you received the gospel, so you must continue to walk in these truths. And what that means is we never grow too old or too beyond the gospel. Church, the gospel has to always be a part of our life. Paul says, be rooted and built up in him. And so truth is very important when it comes to these relationships. You never outgrow the gospel. And remember that this is always within the relationship of a community. You know, some Christians, they just want to learn the things of God, but they want to learn it all by themselves. The deepest knowledge for the mystery of Christ requires both head and heart. Look what Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture in verse 2 again. Being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mysteries, mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Yes, you and I are to learn these things, but we are to learn these things within the context of community. We are to grow in both our head and our hearts. The depth of understanding is facilitated when believers' hearts are bound together in love. 
the revelation of God cannot be properly known apart from the cultivation of brotherly love with the Christian community. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing Paul? Paul wants us to grow in maturity. We, he wants us to be fully mature in Christ. To become fully mature, we need to be part of a local church. We need to be part of a small group that is learning these things, that are encouraging one another in the Lord, learning the things of Christ and learning to apply them with each other. That's why small groups are the bread and butter of our church. It's through the small groups that you learn other people's names. You learn um, uh, things that are happening in their life and, and pray with each other. You study the word together. You ask questions and, and seek the answers to those questions. Um, and you just learn to be there for each other. If you're here this morning and you're not of a small group, you're missing out on a very important element of the Christian life. Paul is saying he wants to encourage the hearts of these believers through the knitting together of one another in love and learning these deep things of God. And there's a lot to learn from different generations in our church. Yeah, you know, I, I love the fact that Emmanuel Baptist is a multi-generational church. He would have us to be a multi-generation. He, he wants the younger people to learn from the older people, and the older people learn from the younger people. You know, one of the groups in our church, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, is um, those in our Touch of Love ministry, those who are homebound. You know, these are individuals who sacrificially served in our church for many years, but physically are unable to come any longer. And uh, as, a, as a body, we're not to neglect them or disregard them. We need to have a ministry to them. And so we have a touch of love ministry. And we have uh, people who go um, each week and we try to assign somebody to a, 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 um, a homebound person to be visited by that person once a month. But they're being visited consistently each each week uh, through the month. But we need additional volunteers. And maybe you're here this morning and you can say, you know what, I could do that ministry. You know, I've got a little bit extra time and I can go, you could go at your convenience, what works for you to be able to go visit them. And it doesn't take a great deal of time. But it's an opportunity for you to encourage them. You know, this idea of being knitted together in love is even important to the homebound who can't come. And when we go and we encourage them, we pray with them, see how they're doing, you know what? That's the presence of Jesus encouraging them. You know, I'll sit down with some, some of these folks and they'll say, Pastor, I, I don't know why I'm still alive. 
I, I'm, I, I don't know why God just doesn't take me home. And, and they're discouraged. Here they've served all these years and uh, they feel as if they have no purpose. And I just encourage them, you know what? If you can't do anything else, you can still continue to pray. Pray for me, your pastor. Pray for your church. But as you go, you know, it's an opportunity for you to encourage them. And they experience the presence of Jesus. They realize, you know what? Their, their home church hasn't forgotten them. They're still important here at Emmanuel. But not only do you encourage them, but you know what? They encourage you. I mean, these, these are people who have walked um, decades with Christ. And God has been so faithful in their life. And it's an opportunity for them to hear, the, you, for you to hear their testimony. And to be encouraged in return. Often, you know, my I think that I'm going and that I'm going to encourage them, but little do I realize that they've encouraged me. And the same is true for all of us. We need to be encouraging uh, one another. Don't isolate yourself. When life gets hard, we want to get alone. We want to close the door, uh, pull down the shades, and we allow circumstances to get the best of us. Paul says, keep together. May your hearts be knitted together in love. Growing in Christ-like maturity is far more than just an intellectual process. It's coming together, loving God and loving others. When it comes to the Christian life, isolation is not an option. Which brings us to number three. If we're going to have a strong faith, we need to be connected in, in loving Christ-like communities, studying the truth of who Jesus is, and we need to show discernment. Look what the Bible says in verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. You know, when we get discouraged, when our hearts grow fearful, it's, it's easy to uh, listen to the enemy. And we've got an accuser, we've got an enemy out there that wants to convince you to quit. It's not worth it to live this Christian life to the very end. You've got to stop listening to his persuasive words and you need to be honed in on the truth. And in this Christian, in this community here in the Colossae church, there are false teachers who wanted to steal the treasure that was theirs in Christ. Look what Paul says in in verse 3. He says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The Gnostics wanted to steal that treasure. The Gnostics were offering them what uh, we know today as pyrite. You know what pyrite is? Fool's gold. And that's what 
these Gnostics were offering uh, these these believers in Colossae. You know, I'm sure that they were thinking of uh, uh, Paul and where he was in a Roman prison cell and trying to convince the Colossians, look look what has happened in Paul's life. You know, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong in Paul's life. Why would you want to follow his teaching? Why would you want to follow his words? Or we live in a world today that uh, talks about the fact that uh, culture wants to convince us that there is no absolute truth. Whatever works for you is true. But, you know, when they say there is no absolute truth, they've just contradicted themselves, haven't they? Because, you know, they've made an absolute statement that there is no absolute truth. There is absolute truth, and it is in the person of Jesus Christ. We live in a culture today that, you know, there's grains of truth in all different kinds of religions. And all different kinds of religions are worth following. That all roads lead to heaven. We're all just going up the same mountain. And you know what? God is a God of love. God loves everybody. And he's not going to let anybody go to hell. And we listen to these persuasive arguments and people are eloquent. And you know what? If our hearts are discouraged, we're disconnected from the church. It's easy to be convinced of these things. And Paul is warning us. Paul is admonishing the church at Colossae and us here at Emmanuel Baptist Church to be strong in your faith. Jesus is the only way. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says this, For the time will come when people will, put up with, will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And my, how that is happening in today's culture. This has always been been here, but it seems like it is that the enemy is speeding up the process today. People don't want to be told the truth. People want to be told what they want to hear. Kind of reminds me of a little boy who went to his daddy and said, Daddy, let's play darts. I'll throw them and you say, wonderful. And we like to be encouraged and hear what we want to hear. But but Paul says it's it's critical that we have Right teaching. And this right teaching comes with the con- in, in the context of loving, knitted relationships. And this right teaching says that in Christ, if your life is in Christ, you have all the treasures of wisdom 
and knowledge. You have everything in the person of Christ. So to keep your faith anchored, to keep your heart strong, strong, you, it requires godly relationships in community, uh, teaching based upon the word of life, have a discerning heart, knowing truth from error, and then finally, have a heart that's great, grateful. Look at verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Church, we need to be have hearts full of thanksgiving, over, abounding, overflowing with thanksgiving. Do you have a thankful heart this morning? You know, hearts that are discouraged are always looking at the glass half empty rather than half full. And in Christ, we have all the treasure of wisdom of not in knowledge of who Christ is. Christ has done so much for our lives. We just sang that song, No Longer Sleeves. We are slaves. We are children of God. Sons and daughters of God. Jesus has taken away our sin. Jesus has removed our guilt and shame and condemnation. In Christ, we are set free. That ought to lead to a heart of gratitude. And when life isn't going our ways, you know what? We can still be thankful because we don't hold God, but God holds us. Amen? Amen. Now, Today, and I'm looking around, I, she's probably in the uh, video venue, but there's a, there's, a, there's a person in our church who has an abounding heart of thanksgiving and has always, or I haven't known her, I've known her for the last 20 years, but uh, I'm sure that this has gone on a long time before I met Sybil Turner. But Sybil Turner uh, turned 90 years old today. And, uh, yeah, you know what? I think it's appropriate, even though she may be in the video venue, I think it's appropriate that we all sing happy birthday to Sybil, okay? So let's do this. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sybil. Happy birthday to you. What a godly sister in Christ. You know, when you live to be 90 years old, things don't always go your way. You've experienced a lot of highs and a lot of lows. You know, she had to say goodbye to her husband, Jim, 
probably 18 years ago. They loved each other. They were one. And when Jim took his last breath here on earth, Sybil knew exactly where he was. And yes, there were tears in her eyes, but she had a faith, a heart that was full of gratitude and thanksgiving for the life that they had shared together and that one day they're going to be reunited for all eternity. Sybil's outlived a daughter. I can't think of anything more painful as a parent than outliving your child. But if you didn't know Sybil's background and, and just were gotten a conversation with, with, with Sybil, I mean, you would know that her heart is abounding in thanksgiving. If you want to have an encouraged heart that is not going to fail, it needs to be a thankful heart. And I know it's so easy to look at what God isn't doing in your life. But don't allow that to consume your heart and your mind. You need to take the time and just reflect on what God is and has done in your life. Having a heart of thanksgiving. Knitted together in loving relationships. Studying the word of God. Knowing who Jesus is so that you won't be duped. That you won't cave in to naysayers, Gnostics, people who don't know Jesus Christ. And you be a person who has a heart of gratitude who's abounding in thanksgiving. If these things are part of your life, you're going to be a person who's standing firm in their faith. And that's what Paul's desire was for the church at Colossae. Verse 5, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. That word well-ordered means to be, for there to be an unbroken line of soldiers. I mean, it's it's just a strong chain that is not going to be broken. Paul's saying, that's the kind of faith. I want to see in you a faith that is well-anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. Are you there? God wants you there. This church exists to make disciples. We want people to be fully mature in their faith. And you don't become fully mature in your faith by coming to a worship service alone or watching on Facebook Live. No, your heart needs to be knitted together with other believers in Christ, studying the person of Jesus Christ. And as this comprises your life, you know what? 
you're going to have a strong faith. We need to um, be reminded of redwood trees. You know, redwood forests are amazing. Redwood trees grow to tremendous heights. Uh, there's a coastal group in, up in northern uh, California of redwood trees. They're the tallest trees in the world. They can grow up to 350 feet in height. If you go to Sequoia National Park and uh, some more in the, the central part of the state, uh, you'll find other redwood trees that uh, are the biggest trees in the world. They grow to a height of about 250 feet, but in order to, uh, for, for, um, who knows their redwood tree? What's the one tree in Sequoia? Uh, General Sherman? Grant? Okay, but it is a huge tree in diameter. Someone, some people say that it takes uh, at least 18 people with their hands locked together to um, to form a circle around the base of that redwood tree. You know, how do these trees grow to be so tall and withstand the storms that they experience? It's because of their root system. They don't have, these redwood trees don't have a tap root that goes deep into the ground. These root, their root systems are very shallow, uh, 10 to 12 12 feet in depth. But when these, these trees grow together and these, the, the roots of these trees, um, grow intertwined with each other. And as they're connected at their root system, it enables them to withstand the storms of life. It's just like the Christian life, church. Jesus never intended for you to live in isolation from other believers. Our hearts are to be knitted together in love. There are things that you and I can learn about Christ, can only learn about Christ through the context of relationships. We're to grow more mature in both our head and our hearts. And our heart requires relationships. And it's all based upon the person of Jesus. And when we learn these things, we're going to have a faith that is strong and secure and can withstand any storm in life. Just ask Sybil Turner. Let's pray. I don't know where you're at this morning. But God knows. And God wanted to encourage you this morning to not give up. To stay the course. Don't listen to the eyes of the enemy. Don't give up. God has a purpose in all of it.
And if you're not connected this morning, get connected. Find a small group who can love you and you can love them. God doesn't want you to be alone. God, may we be rooted in this truth. May we be built up in this truth. It is Christ and Christ alone that saves. You and you alone are our treasure. And it's in you that we have all the wisdom and knowledge necessary for this life here. We are not lacking anything in Christ. Father, for the one whose faith is weak this morning, God, I pray that they would apply this word to their life. Help us, Lord, to, as a church, to be there for those who are struggling. Help us to help them find those connections where their hearts can be knitted in love with others. Jesus, that's why we're here. May you find us, God, growing in our relationship with you, both in our head and our heart.